Welcome to BuildCast, where we delve into the backstories of experts and other players in the built environment to reveal their journey and how they got built. Join us in our conversation to learn from their life experiences, to be the catalyst for innovation, and to make sustainable building mainstream building. Now here is your host and the principal thinker at Build Tank Inc., Robbie Schwartz. Welcome to BuildCast. Today I will be speaking with Zane Bishop of Bishop Built Construction based in Grand County, Colorado, Climate Zone 7. Zane and the Bishop Built team are the builders of the Kirsch Stroop Passive House that we've been exploring over the past few episodes. Today we'll be exploring Zane's path to becoming a builder and what it took to do a deep dive into building a passive house. I hope you enjoy our conversation. So welcome Zane and thanks for joining me today. And thanks for having me, Robbie. I appreciate it. Great. Well, uh, Zane, why don't we start with uh, with some of your background? Um, how long have you been uh, building, and when did uh, Bishop Built start? Well, I, I've been, you know, my father started Bishop Built back in 1982 uh, up in Grand County, Colorado. Uh, and really, we've been involved in building, and I've been involved in building since I was a, a little kid. Uh, you know, just running around on job sites, um, just being involved in building, even within, you know, my parents building their own home. Uh, and so really you know, being involved in a long time since I was a kid, but then really started getting involved where uh, learning, let's call the sciences of building and, and the different strategies and techniques uh, really probably started somewhere around high school uh, when I was involved in, in you know, you know, my I guess my father trusting me to do certain things, and from there, it, it, you know, it's continued on. But, um, but we really, I've really been involved in it all my life. Ah, did you think growing up that you would uh, take over the business? No, never. Actually, I went to, uh, I went off to college and wanted to be a teacher, uh, and actually graduated college, and I was an elementary teacher for multiple years, uh, teaching elementary school, and. Eventually, you know, I, I guess what I came to find was uh, I I thought I I thought I was a teacher and loved teaching, but what I really did is I loved educating, and knowing you know, building seemed to really click with me and obviously within our family. And so what I found was I really loved educating people on how I think things should be built or 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 just you know what I've learned, and that's what I really found what I like. I like educating people on. Um, and even educating homeowners on on the building science and all those different things. But uh, did I ever think I'd be you know, taking over Bishop Built? Absolutely not. It was never never was even a thought. Uh, boy, not even in college. So. Wow, that's cool. So, but you you did. It sounds like you did work in the business uh, as you grew up. I did. I worked in the business. Um, you know, summer summer jobs, working for my father, doing those things. Um, and then obviously in, during college, you know, coming home for the summer, you know, working for my father. Um, even after I graduated, I went to, uh, before I started, to, well, I taught waiting for my wife to graduate um, college. Um, I did a little bit of teaching and then my wife and I moved to Hawaii. She's from Hawaii. So I, when I moved back there, um, I had done some substitute teaching, but um, then I found a job with a gentleman doing building. And shortly after when I, uh, he realized that I was I was definitely talented. I don't want to say talented, but I knew I knew what was going on, and I was educated in building. And boy, um, that made him happy because uh, it took him from being the one-man show to uh, 
um, he could really go out and find work. And so that's kind of what started catapulting all this. And then um, as soon as after a while, um, I eventually came back from Hawaii uh, and my father offered me an opportunity to actually um, a part ownership of the business. And that's really what started. It was, and it's funny when you go out on your own and you don't have, be it the person you learn from, your mentor, which was my father, um, there you realize, you know, kind of being thrown into the fire, how much you grow. And that's really what did that. And then being able to come back, I think at that point, my father knew, wow, I mean, I can just leave you to do jobs now. And, and that's really how it went. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Um, and so in, it, it's really, it seems like you're learning um, uh, by doing and by example. Um, yeah. When do you think uh, you started thinking about uh, how buildings go together from a, a applied building science perspective? Good question. When I started thinking about it, actually being taught about it, it was probably early on. You know, my father was was pretty into that. You know, things not only just you know having a tight house, but everything being tight, framing everything. I mean, and and the, and the idea was. You know, at the very base, you know, that's what we, we grew up, or I grew up, you know, we poured our own foundations and then we did our own, you know, framing and all those different things. And so within building applied sciences, I think that all ties into, you know, making sure everything's tight. And, and you know, if you're off by a 16th here, by the time you get to the roof, you're going to be off more. So, so keeping everything tight, not only in measurements and, and that, but then everything, you know, the house and how you put stuff together. So I think really where I was, I was first exposed to it was probably, my guess is, you know, probably in my 20s. Um, and then when it really started to go, when it really started to make sense was um, probably once I, 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 my father passed away in 2012 uh, and I had, short, I had bought the company um, a little before that. And it was probably shortly after that, maybe somewhere around 2013, 14, um, I started an insulation company uh, on my own. And I think that is really where you started to see, you know, I had my building company, but I started an insulation company. And that's when it really started to make sense and that it really started to see why things, you know, how houses breathe, you know, why you keep certain things tight and, you know, and the science is behind it. Um, because now not only was I building, but then having the insulation company, I could see the science behind that. And then it all started to come together. Yeah. What, uh, what drove you towards uh, uh, doing an insulation company? <laughs> I guess my entrepreneurial spirit. Um, <laughs> Uh, it, I mean, that's really what it was. It was a gentleman who had insulated for me for quite a while just came to me and said, hey, are you looking for an opportunity to maybe, you know, do spray foam and have an insulation company? I said, no. He said, well, here's what, here's what it is. Here's what it takes. Here's what I'm offering. I said, okay. I went home and talked to my wife, you know, and, and she said, I don't think it's a good idea. And I jokingly say, I, the next day I went out and handed the gentleman a check for everything and, uh, and dove right in. And, and you know what? It's turned out to be a good thing. Here it is, 2021, and the company does fine. We we have great customers, uh, and it's running strong. So um, I didn't really have any, I didn't have any inkling to become a insulator. Uh, but I tell you what, it's really turned out because it it provides. Um, I can manage that schedule to work for Bishop Built, uh, and that's that's a real treat. Yeah, um, I have a couple questions. What, the first is, um, do you find that you are more becoming more and more a manager than uh, somebody who's actually swinging a hammer and, and building these days. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
those days of swinging a hammer, actually, you know, I always say to the guys, I, I miss those days, to be honest, because uh, sometimes swinging the hammer, you don't have to deal with all the day-to-day -day and um, those items that you get to do um, out on the job site, you know, loading lumber and all that. Um, sometimes that's so um, freeing and it makes, you know, it's, it is, it's just, it's freedom and, and it's somewhat kind of not as stressful. So I, yes, I do find, I mean, that's really what I do now, Robbie. I mean, I'm not, I don't, I'm not out in the field. I mean, obviously when I started the insulation company, I was running around. I even did insulation, you know, at that. Um, but at that point I wasn't even in the field so much in Bishop built. So, you know, in, in, in small steps, it, it's worked that way. But yeah, I'm, I love the days where I can still go out. Um, I would say even two years ago was probably the last project where I went in and I did a custom handrail on a project. Um, and and worked that and put it all in and that was probably the last time I really actually was doing woodwork occasionally I'll throw my bags on when we're doing a foundation I like to go out there but my guess is most of the guys would probably want my bags off of me off the job <laughs> because maybe, maybe I would probably be getting in their way but uh, it's a real treat to be able to do that but no I find myself doing more of the managerial stuff now yeah. does that include uh, going out on site uh, daily or weekly to uh, just keep track and and uh, make sure that n not only that things are on schedule but that they're progressing with the right details and uh, everything yeah what I would say it, it, it probably it probably I don't want to say depends on project but so what I would say is you know with what we're talking a little bit about is you know the passive um, the pa this passive house that we're working on with you know Matt Kirsch and Carrie Stroop that one I've been a lot more involved because that was something very new to us and that I went and studied you know, the passive standards and, and went to do that. But I'm also, I am very involved. I, I still go out uh, and look at these jobs, but I go out not so much to um, not at all ride tail or check schedule because that's what I have. You know, we work as a team, Bishop Built. You know, I don't do any of this out without all my team. And so that's why I have, you know, project managers, site supervisors they're they're there to do that you know i'm there to you know find the projects i put everything together and then we start you know and then it starts working its way you know into construction and then there's other people that take it over um and i love going out there and i love seeing the projects and that's why i go out there i love to go see what's going on how's the detail i don't if i see something I'm, i'll be happy to say something but I, I don't really have to i have great i have great guys and great people working with me but on that passive project, yeah, I go out and, you know, we, I'm still working hand in hand with a lot of, you know, the PM out there because there is, there's so many different, um, you know, processes that have to be followed within the passive standard and just teeny little things that definitely aren't involved in, um, which I'm going to call it, you know, and I'm kind of giving it, you know, air quotations, you know, standard building practices um, versus the passive there's just so many more things you have to do and be aware of from taping and air and all that um, that it needs that I like to be aware and be there um, because we can work as a team and make sure, you know, obviously two heads, three heads are a lot better than just one. Great. Great. Well, before we dive into some of those uh, passive details that uh, you're, you're coming across, um, I was curious about uh, the insulation company again and, uh, kind of mm -hmm. going into insulation in climate zone six, a cold climate. Um, do you think that maybe partially what intrigued you with that is that there were some issues that were coming up in in the construction stock up there that uh, you thought you could solve? 
you know, when you put it that way, I, I don't want to say I ever thought it, but I tell you what, what was intriguing was the gentleman who was doing my insulation. I've always used, um, I started using closed cell spray foam. And so you're getting more of kind of like about an R7 per inch on that versus, you know, you know code has changed now. And at one point it was probably R19, now it was R21. And now up here for walls, it's R24, lids R49. And so seeing that and seeing what I could get, you know, when with when you deal with estimated thermal performance versus fiberglass versus um, spray foam, what I could get for my estimated thermal performance out of foam versus fiberglass. I mean, fiberglass has its uh, has its you know pros and its cons, and so does foam and closed cell foam. Uh, yes, I saw. I was like, man, look what I can do with this, and look how what I can do with certain walls, and how I can you know really seal up a house, and then bring in and you know energy recovery ventilators and ERV systems. Um, yeah, there was something you know that that, that kind of you know that light bulb going off on top of your head and going, this is the way that things are going, um, and I think that I can help seal things up, make things more energy efficient. Um, and go that way by having, you know, by being able to dictate what I want to put in the house. And I can really dictate it by talking to the owners and saying, hey, this is what I have. This is what I prefer to do. And I think this is why. And mostly if you can stand behind it, not only because you believe it, but because you own it and you use it, most people will kind of, I don't want to say um, go with it because people always have questions, but they mostly will trust you on that. And I think we we present that with all the different homes we show them. And we talk about, you know, what are, what are the energy bills from some of these other homes that we've done and people see those statistics and see that stuff and go, okay, yeah, we're sold. Yeah. Yeah. So do you only uh, blow foam or do you do other uh, blown products? Oh we, oh, we do everything. Yeah. I mean, we not only we do, you know, we only do closed cell foam in, in the foam side. We don't do any open cell. We do closed cell foam. But then we do what we just did in this passive house. We did um, bibs or blown in bats, a dense pack uh, fiberglass within the walls and the lid. Uh, we do all types of fiberglass. We do just regular loose fill blow in. Um, you know, we vacuum old um, cellulose out of stuff and do new new blow in. Uh, we do quite, you know, we, we do it all. Uh, and like I said, we just, um, yeah, we, we are, a, you know, we're a full blown insulation company. Um, yeah. And then along with the insulation company, just, they kind of, you know, making sure that I'm, you know, letting you guys understand. I also own a roofing company and that's another thing that I believe in. And, and that's what I think helps tie everything together is, you know, insulation, roofing. Um, I think those are two of the big keys with mountain homes. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of why I was thinking about this was um, uh, the issues of ice damming in our mountain communities. And mm -hmm. do you think that ice damming is, is kind of, uh, gone away because of the introduction of foam? No, not at all. I, 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 I think, to be honest, I think a true, the best roof you can do um, in any mountain, first of all, it depends on design. When you start adding valleys and flat roofs, uh, I mean, you're going to create problems no matter what. Um, and, and so, you know, if you look at typical, you know, up in the Alps, you know, homes that have been there for years and years, I mean, a typical gabled roof, uh, is really the standard. Um, and then off of that, I mean, if you just did standard sheds, which are what the, um, the Cure Street project is, that's great. But when you start adding valleys and hips and all that, what you're doing is creating areas for snow to stop. And so it's not so much then now with what you're talking about, the heat coming through, um, like old roofs where you might just have hot spots. It's not so much that anymore. It's 
you have Mother Earth, and I call it, you know, I call it, you know, Mother Earth, um, you know, ice dams, because we do get up in the mountains, you get those beautiful days where the sun's out and things are melting, but as soon as that sun sets, it's cold and things freeze, and that creates ice, that creates ice dams too, and it doesn't matter if you have 12 inches of spray foam under there, that doesn't, that, that's not going to do anything, especially in, in eaves, so I, I guess I, I, I take that back a little bit. I think it has helped with ice dams. I think there are, but it's not the end all be all. It's not, it's not the answer for it all. And, and what I was saying is the best roof you can do is, is a cold roof, something where you can have great insulation, um, but then you have another layer in between to where it's a, it, the roof can actually breathe. And you know, that's what I built with my father years ago. We built um, on the home that he built that I actually still live in, um, that I bought from them. It's a cold roof. It, has no, you know, we don't have any ice damming. And then on the house that we built uh, years ago for um, for them, um, we did a, a cold roof system. And it has valleys. And guess what? No ice dams, no issues, no leaks. And yeah. so I think that's the best route to go if you're going to do an actual true mountain roof. I think that's the best. That's the best route. Yeah. So what uh, what type of roof system ended up on the Kirsch Troop House? So that's and that's dictated by Emu Systems, who's the passive, you know, the passive company that's you know, helping kind of write the standards for that house. And that's a that's a blown-in bat, so a dense packed uh, uh, roof system. So it's 16 inches of um, blown-in or dense insulation, dense packed insulation, which probably ends up giving it an R. My guess is 50 plus, maybe 60 um, of insulation, and I don't know the actual R value on it. Um, because they do they want to test it but i it's pretty darn good and with having a metal roof um with with that i think you know you're not there's not going to be that much heat loss on that it's it's a pretty good system all around i mean especially with 16 inches of dense pack um phew. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty it's pretty impressive it's an impressive you walk in the house now since it's all insulated now um it's, it's amazingly how quiet uh, that house is it's pretty impressive yeah so that 16 inches is uh you know around 65 to 70 probably it's okay there we go okay I, I i knew it was somewhere i i knew it was somewhere around 60 um and i wasn't sure the exact um science on that but i know that if i blow in somewhere around 24 on loose fill and blow in that i'm about an r60 so I didn't know on the dense pack side, that probably makes sense about a 65 to 70. So you think about it, 65 to 70 on a house where, um, you know, again, with an ERV system uh, and, you know, the folks, you know, you know, they're not cranking the heat up to 75 degrees. Uh, this house is going to, it's just, it's going to, it's a machine. It's going to run beautifully. It's going to be pretty impressive. And the roof was framed with iJoyce? Yep. 16 inch, uh, 16 inch iJoyce. Uh, and then were, and then the walls go ahead well i was just curious um there was there any insulation um at the roof deck any continuous insulation no nothing at, nothing at the roof deck nope so the, i guess the assumption is that the thermal bridging through the eye joists is so small because of the of the narrow web osb web and Correct, and, and it's so minimal. By the time it gets to there, it's displaced most of it. it you're not going to get that much. Um, yeah. And that was a question we had asked prior. You know, is this something where you would use, you know, foam on the lid? And that was, um, yeah, and, and same and same on the exterior walls uh, with that thermal bridging. Uh, you know, you have your framing. Now there, 
that thermal bridging is different. You know, you don't you don't have you don't have anything continuous, correct? You know, you have a you have separate wall. So you have a two by six exterior wall, and then we have a two by four interior wall. Um, and then if you you know from out to if I can if you understand from out to in, it's 16 inches. But there's no there is no bridging there. You know, the insulation is in bridge. So that one really works well. The roofing uh, that would have been the first thing, I, and that's what we talked to. Um, Enrico about with EMU systems was what about this and he said no they're not that they're not that concerned with it especially once we do the you know we have all our special vapor barriers all that and then drywall all that it's very limited so. yeah and uh, so your walls are 16 inches uh, dense packed fiberglass as well so you know in that 65 to 70 correct range okay correct what about, and, and uh, what was more what was what was interesting about the walls was it's a whole different thing when you know we've done dense pack but we've done dense pack in just you know two by six walls when you do a 16 inch wall what was what was different is when you're doing the lid and you know we and we staple all this netting on you know as you're blowing in each bay you know it's really a cell right so each running each each roof after you know at, at two foot apart or whatever 16 inches on center running down as you fill that that's one cell well, when you go to the wall, because those studs were split, um, the two by four, you know, and the two by four and the two by six were in line, but they were split. We actually had to come in and run netting between each bay to create that cell vertically in each one. Because, I, and this is, I didn't realize this till we started talking about it, because you never knew, like, if you started blowing in one area, you know, if the if the um, the insulation as it was blown in, you know, would it keep flowing and would it keep flowing into each cell? So that's one where we actually had to then net each bay separately and then net the outside and fill it, which was, you know, there, it was definitely, there was some time in it, but uh, it created a, a great product. Very cool. Very cool. Um, tell me a little bit about the foundation and how that was insulated. Yeah. So we're a distributor. We're a distributor for um, light form. So we did a, a foam, foam foundation. Um, so two and a half inches of foam on each side of the eight inch wall. So it gives you a, um, a five inch, I, yep, ICF, correct. And then um, with that, then as we pour, we came up and then um, the actual substrate underneath the slab was, um, in typical construction, we come in and we do what we call, we just do an under slab spray. So we spray two inches of closed cell foam down, down on top of the gravel. And then we would do our radiant heat tubing and then pour concrete. Well, here, a different thing, we didn't use any spray foam on the project. Um, what we did was, um, and I actually take that back, we did use spray foam, but that was in the garage, which is actually separate from the passive house, but we can get into that at another point. Um, underneath the substrate, we left, we had to leave the actual substrate down, we call it 16 inches, and we had under, under the actual concrete slab, 12 inches of foam, and we, so we had um, sheets of um, four by eight sheets at four inches thick, and then we went ahead and we had to stack those up. So it was 12 inches of foam underneath. And then we had a 10 mil vapor barrier that went on top of that. Then we could go ahead and set down our mesh. And then we did our radiant tubing and then the concrete. But, uh, you know, the actual losing any heat, um, you know, through the ground, um, I would say is pretty much non-existent now. Yeah. Interesting. Um, do you understand why? Uh, you're not able to use any of the blown closed cell foam in the passive house. You know, when I was in the classes, um, because I, you know, I did, I said that Enrico was, well, I could give you 16 inches of 
closed cell foam and you'd have a, you know, I'd do the math. I don't know. It'd be in the hundreds of R values. Um, and obviously it's, you know, a diminishing return on as you go so far. But what I was told was that the foam hasn't been around long enough. I mean, this is kind of was an easy answer what he gave me was it hasn't been around long enough and hasn't been around long enough to have, you know, kind of weathered and test been tested. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not here, I'm not here to argue with passive standards. You know, they've been doing it a long time. Fiberglass has been around a long time. I have no problem with dense pack, but that's the answer I got. Um, and, and I was fine with that. You know, again, I, uh, like I told you, I don't think um, foam is the end all be all for, for all solutions. Uh, and that's why this is so interesting because I can see different, a different way to do something and, and see, you know, in the end of the day, see how it works and, and see how it performs. And, and we'll be able to really see how that performs right away. Um, you know, as we start to, you know, we'll do our first HERS text here uh, before we do drywall install. And then obviously we'll do it later on, but we'll really start to see how that performs. Yeah. Uh, by Hearst test, I, I imagine you're talking about your first a blower, blower door test. test. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Um, yeah. Uh, you mentioned a, a few times uh, Enrico and uh, Emo Systems. Uh, you took mm -hmm. part in the builder uh, uh, training that they do. Correct. That's correct. Yeah. Yep. Um, um, uh, Matt and Carrie, um, you know, found found us and we interviewed. And, and they asked, "Are you? Would you be interested in, you know, first of all, a passive house?" I said, "Sure." You know, what does that entail? I, you know, I, I have an idea, you know, but and then they said, "Well, then, would you also be interested in taking a, you know, a week-long class and staying down in Denver and becoming passive certified?" I said, "Sure." And so they jumped at that and said, "Well, listen, if you're willing to do that, which I am, I'm, I think, you know, that's the thing about building and, and what you want everyone and all builders." is it's a, it's a continued, you know, it's a learning, you know, you're continuing to learn. And, and that's what I, you know, you should, everyone should love about life, correct? Is yeah. always wanting to learn and continuing to learn. And so within building, I don't know everything and, and nor do I claim to know everything. I know everything that I, that, that works for us now, but I mean, it, it, it continually changes and there's always new things coming out. So spray foam is very new, right? And so that works really good now, but you know, I hope it continues to work. But um, so when they offered that and said, hey, would you be willing to do that? Absolutely. Because I would love to learn, you know, when they're saying, hey, this person can heat their house for $4 a month, you go, whoa, wait a second, I got to see this. And so hearing that, and so, yeah, then I jumped in, we did the classes, I went ahead and, you know, it was more math than I've done probably in my whole college career. And there was equations that um, even to this day, I'd have to open up the book to find them. Um, it's pretty impressive what Enrico and his, you know, emu systems and everything they do it's 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 very science related it's very impressive but when you break the science down it's also how can i say common sense you go oh well that makes sense right um yeah. and so we jumped into that we did the class we passed and that led us to um you know starting to develop the strategies to make it all work once we got the architecture and all that done great can you uh tell us a little bit about the specifics of the class and what that was like Sure. Um, you know, I don't want to say a lot of book work, but it was just, you know, a lot of book, you know, figuring out what are, what are the different, you know, the processes with passive, um, you know, learning, you know, a, a lot of it involves uh, air barriers and taping. I'm going to say that's a big one, <laughs> taping. It feels like that's all we've done is tape on this project, tape, tape, tape. But, you know, what we were able to do is, you know, they you know, kind of set us up in teams and then, you know, we, we actually built these, 
I would just call it, I don't, and I don't know the, I don't remember the name, what they called them, but I'd call it just a, a tiny house, let's say that, but it fit within a classroom. And then it was, you know, creating the insulation and putting that in and, and being able to be hands-on within the process of how to tape and how to, how to hold the heat in the house. And then, you know, we heated them up and put them outside for a full night and then got to come back in and see whose place held the heat, what was, you know, how much heat dropped, it went from 70 to, you know, what temperatures. And so really a hands-on, but then also getting to learn a lot of the materials, you know, the different windows. And what was really cool about the class was um, the gentleman who we actually bought our windows through, we actually went with the Entersign windows um, out of Germany. Um, we actually, you know, met the salesman there, but he's an architect out of Boulder. But we met some people who had been building passive homes. So they went there to get their kind of recertification. Um, so that was really interesting that they, you know, they dealt with Enrico, but they also, what was really cool is they also had other ways and other strategies to do it. And Enrico was very open to that. And so being able to hear that within the classes and say, well, this works, this is how we like to do it, but here's a way to get to that, that, you know, that's a little different. And sometimes when you're a builder, obviously we have one way we get to it. You know, I would, I would consider Enrico a scientist. That's what I would say. I mean, but, and so he has this way that, this is, this is, you know, step one, step two, step three, and this is how you get to get step 10. Well, sometimes that doesn't work with a builder all that well. So having other people within the class and a lot of different, there was insulators, guys from insulation companies there. Um, so hearing them and how they do certain things, I tell you what, that made the class really all that much better because you really heard real world um, stories and real world um, ideas, uh, you know, on how to get passive. Um, so, I, you know, I think that kind of explains what it was, but it was really kind of taking all of passive, telling us how to get there and what the standards are. Um, but it was in a, you know, again, within five, six days, I think the classes for what passive really is, whew, you could spend a year uh, really in there and, and be learning. But uh, it was a, it was a whirlwind class, but um, I think it's even helped me within our, our general, our, like I said, standard building practices. Yeah. Well, it's great to uh, be able to follow the class up immediately with a project to kind of uh, bring it home. And uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, <laughs> we're very lucky because uh, I can't imagine if I were to have to uh, take in the class and then um, two years later find a project. Uh, it would really be uh, almost in its essence starting over. Um, and Emu has a really another gentleman, good guy, uh, Tully Gallagher. I think that's his last name. Um, Tully is, you know, we call him all the time. And he's a builder as well uh, up in the Montana, Montana area. And uh, listen, it's just having people that are involved that have done it and done the build and done it in, in the field. Uh, it's just so invaluable. I mean, it, they just, they help so much. Uh, so you know, I, I highly recommend them as well, just because the, you know, the science is there and it's backed, but then they have guys who, you know, have been out there and done it. Yeah. Have you found that you've used that resource a lot? Tons. <laughs> I think, I don't know if Tully wants us to take him, you know, take him off our speed dial or not, but uh, um, we, we call him all the time. And, and David Barnes, who's the project manager of the Tears Through Project, uh, you know, listen, he's probably at least, you know, every week, I'm guessing he's on, talks to Tully for at least an hour. And, and, Tully, and listen, he's great about it. Uh, he, he just, he goes, he understands because, to get to that passive certification or that standard, you know, we have to do certain things. And uh, he understands that we haven't done all those. So just running things through and by him and all that, um, they're very open to that. And that's what they're there for. I mean, that's, 
that's why the clients, you know, there's, you know, there's a cost for them to use EMU systems, right? And part of that cost, it's like having an, an architect or an engineer too. You call those guys because you paid them and they're there to help you. And that's what these guys are there to do is help us. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, since you brought up uh, Windows and whatnot, when I had the opportunity to visit the site and uh, I hadn't seen the window installation uh, detail that uh, where you're basically hanging the window within the opening. Um, mm -hmm. And I was wondering how how you actually finish that off to get the the true barrier from inside to outside because in essence it's floating within the the rough opening yeah and it's actually you know shimmed underneath so it's not there's shims uh, you know plastic shims underneath that are supporting it so yeah it is floating but it's you know it's not floating in essence you know screws just holding it is bearing on those but yeah. once it's set once it was centered up in that area um what we did is on the exterior side um, we built a, a ledge. So if you can picture the window in, in a, you know, a 16 inch cavity, um, we centered the window in there. And then what happened is we, we built a, uh, I think it was a five degree pitch from the outside, uh, and then did some blocking and did some blocking, uh, to set up this pitch. And then we insulated and, and I could really get into the process and it's probably harder to explain because there was a lot of different steps involved. Um, but once we kind of created that um, pitch away from the roof and butted the plywood, because it's all going to have, it's all going to get wrapped with metal. Um, then what we ended up doing is with the vapor barriers and everything, we tape up and we, we tape to the window on the outside and we tape just barely, just it's like a quarter inch to a half inch onto the window. We tape to the window and then our vapor barrier wraps up around. And then from on the inside, we obviously insulate around the window. You don't, we don't use foam, which I normally would use. We'd use like a, a low expansion foam. Um, we yeah. use fiberglass and so we stuff it in. And then from the inside, what we do is we'll build that up to where we want that drywall to return to that window. And then we'll go ahead and plywood that. We'll wrap our vapor barrier from the inside up to that window. And then again, because it's tight touching the wood, which is this is what we learned in that, that um, passive class that we took, that then we would ta we tape to the window, but we just tape enough about three eighths of an inch because then our drywall is a half inch, and we want that drywall to come in and just cover that tape, and then that's what that tape is. That tape is wrapped all the way around all four sides of that window um, with that three eighths of an inch, and then you know pre pressed on there. And what they say is the you know the glues and all those different things um, uh, you know are you know are securing that. And 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 a big help for us has been um, A and E Building Systems, um, where we bought all our materials. They've been another, and that was a team highly recommended by Rico. Those two, uh, you know, those guys, Craig and Todd, have been you know instrumental in, in telling us different things and how to do a lot of stuff. And it's really actually nice. I will tell you, the whole, if I can say, passive um, industry. Uh, at least all the people we've dealt with have been very open to help. And, and that's really nice to know because th there is a lot going on. Yeah, that's, that, that is a lot uh, going on. You know, flashing a window is uh, uh, time consuming and uh, uh, detail oriented Ooh. anyway, but it sounds like it's uh, on steroids in, in this project. Oh, yeah. um, Robbie, you wouldn't believe it. I mean, it, we looked at that. I mean, when we've looked at that process multiple times and it's still, even explaining it to the guys in the field and as we were doing it, I mean, I can't tell you how many phone calls back and forth we've had, uh, you know, so you want us to tape to the window, you know, yes. just, but, but, you know, but it's like, but your tolerance is three eighths of an inch. You can't be going out there three quarters of an inch because 
you know, yeah. on that beautiful wood, um, you know, from those windows, you know, once that glue gets on there, uh, you know, that's no bueno, you know, it's not going to work. So, you know, it has to be, the tolerances have to be, you know, kept very tight. And so, yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's uh, flashing on steroids. So, for sure. So are you using uh, new tape products and uh, air barrier products and vapor barrier products that you haven't used before? We are. We're using you know, all kinds of different products. Um, yeah, that we that, yeah, definitely. That, yeah. Is your primary air barrier to the outside? Yeah, the primary air barrier. Well, well, we have two air barriers, one on the outside, one on the inside. I mean, they're both. Um, and I could, you know, and, and I'd have to look it up and I wouldn't be able to tell you, I know we use Magvex and then there's, uh, and I, in, in being very honest with you, you know, the PM has been taking care of that. I mean, we did all the ordering and I can remember seeing all of them and, I, and I'm being out there and seeing them. But uh, yeah, we have, you know, one on the outside, one on the inside. And the one on the inside, which we typically use when we do a blow-in insulation job or, or a bib insulation job, we would usually normally just put like six mil plastic over it as our vapor barrier. And that's, you know, that's, that's a no-go. We can't, you know, we're not doing, we're not doing that at all. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, those are, I think on the inside, we're using the, I think it's the SEGA. Um, I think it's the, and I'm not sure how I pronounce it. I think it's Madrex, Magrex. I don't know how they pronounce it. Um, yeah. But that's what's used. That's what we're using on the inside there um, for that air barrier on it is that. And then with, and then with the tape. Yeah. So it has um, uh, better drying potential, I believe. To Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it will allow for that, that 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 moisture to wick out and that yeah the air to dry it correct yeah on the outside i think you were using blue skin or something that's like correct that. it was yep yep no that's it you're right yep yep yeah. i saw a picture yep there very cool on have builder you, trends yeah <laughs> have you used uh, blue skin before no so what was that i'm looking at it right now that's the mag vest the sigma mag vest Match best. Yeah. Nope. Never used it. And then we're using that wig, uh, wig glove tape. This is the first time I've used that and we haven't used it before. Um, yeah. Again, but you know, there's at least some products now that we're using that I'm guessing we'll probably pick up and start using um, in our building industry and some of our, well, again, and when I say standard homes, they're not just a standard home, but with our, you know, standard homes with not using passive standards, um, you know, kind of running it. I would think we're going to start to use some of these, especially some of these tapes, um, that we've found are just incredible, uh, especially for blocking air and, and, you know, sealing things up. I think we'll use it. But the exterior is a whole other different component, too. You know, on top of that um, blue vest, you know, then we have metal siding going on. And with the metal siding, you know, we have to go, we're furring the siding, you know, off the wall to, you know, to allow for, you know, drying and, and any kind of moisture to wick through. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a, I mean, full-blown process. Um, yeah but a process you know, nonetheless that we really actually enjoy something different yeah very very cool um i wanted to jump back to the window real quick um i also yeah. noticed the window i believe is centered uh in that 16 inch wall um mm -hmm. did enrico uh, specify that or was there any talk about putting it to the outside or the inside so with that i it really, there was, I don't want to say there was a certain way. I think, um, you know, Enrico has had, you know, he, he's done it multiple ways and that's how we came about it. We, 
you know, when we started looking at it, you know, he had had some of these windows pushed more to the outside. But what we came to find was when we had that in the owners, there's like, you know, we just don't, we don't want a window well that's almost, you know, that's almost a, a full because so just so you understand just to, and I'm sure you do the, on inside of that 16 inch wall, we have now another three inch wall that is our service cavity. So now that wall now has begun from 16 to really pretty much a 20 inch wall. So if we were to push that window further out, you know, the client has now pretty much a, you know, a 15 inch window well, and, and they didn't want that. They, they felt like that was too deep and it started feeling like it was almost a, you know, a submarine port or like a, you know, and that was just too deep. So, you know, talking with Tolly and talking with Enrico, they were okay with us bringing that more centered. And then from the outside, then we'll go ahead and we would have metal wrapped around the inside of the windows. And that would eliminate and not, have, so the window didn't feel so deep into the wall. Very, very cool. Yeah, interesting. Um, the other kind of uh, interesting thing in this house is um, not that it's that you're using hydronic uh, heating, but uh, I believe you're using an air source heat pump to um, to heat the water. Uh, have you done yeah. that before? No, I hadn't. I, I had done that, but um, funny enough, uh, the Arctic system that we're using um, for that, uh, my HV, HVAC guy, when I brought it to him. Um, jumped right on it. And I couldn't believe it because I, I had never done heat pumps, never done anything like that. Uh, and mentioned to him, hey, I'm looking to do, you know, we'd really like to do this as a radiant system, you know, but it was, because we have such a great thermal mass, right? And we poured this slab on grade and we got this great thermal mass. Can we continue to use that? And, and he jumped right on it and said, listen, I've done this. I, I did some stuff with this Arctic company. Um, I, we can go ahead and do it. And sure enough, um, you know, he's, he's taking it, you know, taking the bull by the horns and run with it. Uh, and I looked at another one of his systems that he had done um, using this and the clients said, Hey, we, if you didn't tell us, we wouldn't know. Right. I mean, it would be, you know, it, it, it's worked flawlessly. Um, so knowing that and then going into it, I tell you what, I was definitely nervous because, you know, I, you know, our first the discussion was, should we use heat, pump, you know, heat pumps and having these, you know, these heat pumps on the walls and, you know, what they do in Europe. And again, and, and as I'm watching this, even as we were going through the classes, I'm, I can keep going, this just doesn't seem like it would do anything. Uh, and so sure enough, I was, I was, I was happier because I pushed a little more for the radiant because it's a system I know, but I, I really think that if something were to go down, you get a lot more because of that thermal mass that the, it's heating, you get some longevity if the heat were to go out or something happens because of that mass, you know, you get a lot of residual heat coming off of it, especially with the windows and everything they have, you, you know, you're getting a lot of free heat. Um, yeah. So I pushed for that radiant system and, and, and we were able to go ahead and go with that. Yeah. And although this uh, house isn't a true passive solar um, house, no. it, it is uh, trying to take it as much advantage of that as possible. Uh, Correct. Exactly. Yeah. With the windows and, and the locations, yeah, and overhangs, we are getting some of that. And then we all also are set up for um, actual solar as well. So um, we've added that to the system um, and we'll be, you know, tying into that um, when the owners decide to go ahead and put the, the system, you know, kind of put it online. Yeah. So it's, uh, you're saying it's uh, PV ready. It's, they're not going to Correct. install it right yeah. away. Okay. Uh, you know, they're still, they're still trying to figure it out. I mean, it will be PV, it is PV ready. And, and uh, my guess is we probably will move forward with it. Um, but as of right now, um, we haven't, we are just, we are set up and ready to go with it. Um, but yeah, it, it hasn't been, the system hasn't been put together in order. 
Is there much uh, PV going on up in uh, your area in Grand County? There is. Um, I've done the last two homes I've done. We've um, done and we've put the systems in um, the uh, uh, the PV systems, uh, and I see more and more of it coming. Especially, it depends on where you are and where the house is. Um, a lot of the time, we're actually just doing like you had mentioned, PV ready. Everything's run and set up, uh, so it's either maybe just a penetration through a roof, or or maybe they set something up on the side, but it's it's ready. And so there's there's usually just it's going to take you know just a carpenter maybe a day or two and then really they can run with it and go from there to put in the system. But we are seeing you know a big influx of that um, uh, being put in. Yeah, interesting. Um, so you've you've obviously learned a lot. You've been able to experiment mm -hmm. with a lot of different uh, techniques in this house. Are there any uh, 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 key techniques that you think that uh, you will uh, wrap into your standard construction process, process moving forward? Yeah, number one, I think it's what I see is really trying to get more. Not okay, and I and, and just <laughs> preface this: we we use great windows, you know, and not to name companies or anything like that, but we use great windows on all our products projects, but man seeing some of these windows and this the triple pane and, and the actual quality windows and what it does and when you start to think about it and you go you build these walls and and let's just say a standard home so you know with the r let's call r24 spray foam wall and so you've got this 24 spray foamed wall and you've got this r50 lid and then you have these windows that are really in essence you know before not triple pane just a standard window r two and a half r3 you know i don't know the u value um, I don't know what that is, three, you know, point three or something like that. Um, but you see those and you go, gosh. And so we have windows at R3, yet I have all this house. And so you know where your weak points are. So by then, you know, taking that next step up and going to triple pane windows, you know, that's definitely something I've been talking to some owners and, and people you know, as we're you know, building other homes, you know, saying, hey, are you interested in this? Is this something you'd be, you know, interested in looking at, you know, they're beautiful windows uh, and saying, you know, if, if homeowners are very are, are kind of let's just say not worried but they're um, concerned about you know the bones of the house which i would agree i mean those are the things you want you want the house to last i mean we're building homes the last 50 to 100 years then let's look at the windows too let's look at the really important stuff you know you know framing you know foundation uh, insulation windows let's look at the things that you're not going to want to take out that's really the skeleton and that's the one thing i would say out of everything right now it would be the windows um, you know, down, you know, trickling down, I would say, like I said, the tapes uh, we find to be um, pretty impressive uh, and using those um, in a lot of different areas. Um, and after that, you know, then there's, you know, and there's still more to come on our end, you know, and as we kind of see all these different things, but really just the science behind paying just, and again, it's not that we don't pay attention when we build a house, but paying just that extra little bit of attention and what that can do um, you know, down the road for you know, the enjoyment of the owner and, and, you know, how they live within the house, you know, and how it heats and, and how it performs for them, uh, it makes a big difference. And, and so maybe I would even say overall, it's not even maybe materials or anything like that. It's just being conscious of what's going on and what we're doing within the house. Yeah. Um, were, were you doing a whole house mechanical ventilation before this house? Yeah, we were. Yeah, we do it on every home. We don't. It's not even a question anymore. 
um, especially once we started doing anything with spray foam. Um, as soon as you start to seal that house up, um, we've done, I, I just put one in no matter what. We've gone, you know, and it depends. You know, some homes where if we've done like blow in on the lid and then spray in the walls, you know, we can get away with using um, what I call spot ERV systems, which are, pan, you know, are through a Panasonic. And so you can kind of place them throughout the house and then they run independently and exhaust out and you can turn them on and off. Um, but typically we're running, you know, more often than not, you know, true, you know, whole house circulation systems, ERVs, um, you know, where renew airs, where you're, you're pulling from multiple areas, you know, in the bathrooms and we tie them into the bathrooms, but it just seems to work all that much better, um, especially with really as tight as the homes are now, you do have to let them breathe. Yeah. And that's what uh, you're using in this Kirsch uh, Stroop house, the uh, ERV? Correct. Yep. Yep, correct. Yep. Great. Um, so last summer we had, uh, you know, the big tragedy of the fires that happened up there. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I know it's it's also um, an opportunity though to get uh, some new business and whatnot. Uh, do you are you seeing any uptick in interest in energy efficient building? Uh, because of uh, the need to rebuild so much up there? Actually, I have. Um, I've had two to three different homeowners reach out um, you know, that we're looking to build for either next year or year after. And you know, obviously, we're taking reservations what, you know, def out, out to 2024. Um, but I did, and I've, I've actually gotten um, two calls. One was uh, a gentleman who's actually going to come look at this passive house um, because they are off the grid. Um, where they where their house was and it, it did get burned down and so the, and um, they're wanting to kind of rebuild and, and go that route and then another uh, another gentleman the same thing um, they had a house it was actually probably a bigger house than they wanted and now they're wanting to they realize they don't need all that and, and what they're looking for is um, I think there's some family involved it's really kind of the uh, uh, just that that footprint, you know, the, um, the carbon footprint, and, and they have some family involved saying, you know what, we don't want all that stuff anymore. We just want a place that we can kind of come up, hang out, some bedrooms to sleep, but you know, really live the indoor outdoor life. Uh, but we're not paying tons of money to heat this place. So yeah, I have seen. I mean, ever since doing, you know, Matt and Carrie's house, I mean, obviously I've had two to three calls with that, two involved with the fire, and then another one. Uh, from uh, a different, you know, just a different location altogether. But boy, uh, I hadn't dealt with that before. And now I'm seeing a lot more people. And I think people are going that way uh, anyway. And I don't think enough people actually even know about it. And when they start to find out about it, you know, we're going to eventually put this on our website and kind of talk about that and, um, and, and probably even put some kind of, um, um, uh, you know, connection back to this podcast so people can listen and hear about it and kind of hear about what's going on within the passive industry. Yeah, very cool. Well, I really appreciate uh, the time that you spent with us today. Do you have anything uh, else that you want to put forward in, in your effort to uh, continue to educate people? No, I mean, I really, I think what it, what it comes down to, and like Matt and Carrie are, and, and we have a, lot, a bunch of other clients the same way, is being patient um, when building. Uh, you know, People anymore want to get in a hurry and want to get things done, and we want to get in the house. and And this goes for all building, not even passive. And and it, and it goes down to, listen, if you want to hurry and you want to get in, um, you know, 
what you don't want to sacrifice is quality within building. And there's a lot of great builders out there, tons of them. Uh, and and sacrificing quality for you know we for time we want to get in because you know in 20 years if you have family you're going to forget that extra two months or three months that it's going to take to get into a house uh, and if you hurry things along and get in and you're unhappy that unhappiness be it if it's something wasn't finished right because it you know there was still more time to take those are things I see within the building industry if I, you know if I'm going to sit here and stand on my soapbox for you know 30 seconds is just patience. Take, you know, understand that things take time, and especially now with, you know, with from, you know, pandemics to hurricanes to, you know, freezes in Houston and polyol plants being shut. I mean, things are awry and things are not what is normal anymore, but things aren't normal. And so things take time. So understanding if you get into a house and you take the time and you let it get done right, I promise you that when it's done right, that satisfaction and that enjoyment is going to you know last generations. And that's why we're building it. But if you push it and you push it and you want to get in, what you're going to find is that time and push and, and trying to get in so quick, you know, you're sacrificing a lot of that time that went into the quality and you're going to be, you know, you're going to be living with that. And then that's when sometimes people are unhappy. So it's just being patient. And that's, we have great clients, Matt Carrier, are fantastic. They understand, you know, with this patient comes an amazing, amazing, you know, product, something that they're going to be proud of and they're going to be able to you know, um, have friends and family up for years and years and, and enjoy it. So yeah. being patient, there you go. Yeah, I, I really agree with that. I like to talk about it as uh, first cost versus opportunity costs and trying yeah. to leverage yeah. that opportunity uh, before the, the drywall is up to, to, to really do what's needed behind the drywall. It's not, it's not the sexy stuff, but it's the stuff that matters. The stuff that counts. Probably it's the stuff that counts and, 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 but that's, if you get a good builder and you get somebody who can talk to you about it and, and especially clients too, that are informed. I mean, I, some people don't like clients that are informed. I don't mind clients that ask questions. I mean, asking questions means that they just want to know. And I'm, I'm happy to, again, like we talked about at the very beginning of this, I like educating. I like talking about them and I like, I want a homeowner to know what's going on in their house. It, it only, it only, you know, uh, you know, if, um, it only helps us as builders and everyone else if they are informed of what's going on. And, uh, and so, yeah, I would agree with you. And if they, if they want to know, I'm happy to give them that information. Um, and, and that allows for a really, a, a, a really good unity between client and builder and the science they're using on the building. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate your time and look yeah. forward to talking to you again some point. Hey, thanks a lot, Robbie. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of BuildCast, brought to you by BuildTank, Inc. To see show notes and learn more about our guests and other episodes, visit the BuildCast page of our website at www.btankinc.com. Thank you, Ben Sound, for our music and to Ashley Owen for editing it. And you, for your encouragement and guidance in the creation of BuildCast. You can listen to BuildCast on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite platform. If you enjoyed our show and are willing, please take a moment to subscribe and review BuildCast, which will help others find it more easily. Thanks again for listening, and please let us know who you would like to hear next and if you have any suggestions to make BuildCast better. Until next time, be safe and continue to think 0 to 360.